This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You're listening to the Kunstler Cast, a weekly conversation about the tragic comedy of suburban sprawl, featuring James Howard Kunstler, author of The Geography of Nowhere, The Long Emergency, and World Made by Hand. I'm Duncan Crary. Today's topic, parking garages. Well, Jim, we've made it to our fourth Kunstler Cast. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We're getting a lot of comments from listeners around the country and uh, I have one from Columbus, Ohio. So do you mind if we just play that right now and get into it? Columbus, Ohio, that <laughs> wilderness of free parking. Hi, this is Carl. I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I love the Kunstler cast. I heard Mr. Kunstler mention something in show number two about the ridiculous amount of surface parking in Columbus. And I just wanted to let you know that the city is talking about dropping $30 million to build two new parking garages downtown. The mayor put out some press release saying parking has long been the top concern of businesses looking to move downtown. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for moving people downtown, but bringing them in cars is a little misguided. I mean, why not spend that money on improving the bus system? Building more parking garages will only encourage more traffic and congestion. And plus, there's no street-level retail in the designs for these garages. So I just wanted to know, um, from your perspective, what can people do about this other than throw back a few beers and call your show? I mean, I guess parking garages are better than parking lots, but let's face it, they still suck. Thanks. Okay, Jim, well, I don't know if there's really anything left to say. I think Carl covered it all, but uh, what what are your thoughts on these parking garages? There actually is quite a bit more to say. You know, what we're not seeing here is any recognition on the part of the municipal leaders or even the people they're serving that these are bad investments because the future is not going to be about parking. In very, very few years ahead, we're going to have enormous problems with motoring and, and everything connected with it. The fuel, the oil, the gasoline, people getting the cars, being able to buy them when they're tapped out on their credit cards and their credit generally, I mean. The whole happy motoring dynamic is really going to be fading fast. And the fact that the city leaders all over the United States are totally clueless about it and are willing to invest, you know, $30 million, which, by the way, will probably be bonded, you know, meaning they'll, they'll be assuming a lot of debt and paying a lot of debt service at fairly high rates now because we're in the middle of a municipal debt credit crisis. This is just another example of a, a municipality subsidizing sprawl to yank suburbanites into their town in the hopes they'll spend some money. This this happens in, in Albany where I work too. You have all these suburbanites, you know, they drive into the city to work. They don't spend any money when they're actually there and then they're gone. And the mayors of these cities are so obsessed with luring more people in. It's, it's well, kind of sad. Well, they, they only know what they've known in the past. They don't really get the fact that we're facing a discontinuity, mm. a break from the past. They only know that in the past, people have lived out there, out somewhere outside the city, and, the, and we're desperate to get them inside the city. Now, I've been to Columbus, I don't know, five yeah, or six too. times in the last 10 years. And interestingly, 
already about 75% of the former downtown core of Columbus, Ohio, is surface parking. Yeah. So they've already done a magnificent job of destroying most of the fabric of the town. And, um, you know, you could make the argument that, oh, well, it's better to stack the cars up, you know, in you know, like a five-story building. But I mean, it is better, but uh, you could still design a better parking garage than the one we even on its own terms it's a bad design yeah okay and and the 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 guy who called in is correct let's say hypothetically during the period where it seemed like maybe a good thing to do Mm -hmm. like maybe the early 1990s the idea was okay you got to build a parking structure at least line the the ground floor with some retail so it it has a relationship with the street that is more or less like a normal building so it, it it provides some destinations for for people who are walking around town, gives people something to look at as they're traversing the block, et cetera, et cetera. And these things are fairly self-evident. But I would maintain that continuation of building parking decks is just an enormous waste of whatever dwindling resources we have. Carl mentioned you can't even retrofit these buildings. And I remember I, I heard you talking about this here in Saratoga Springs when they were going to build a new parking garage. And you were talking something about if you made the each floor taller because what are the heights of a regular parking garage well when you're building something other than a parking deck you know you need some room overhead to run the duct work and the plumbing and the you know the service lines and all that stuff so you have to have more than like a seven foot ceiling and the trouble with these parking decks is that they have fairly low ceilings that don't lend themselves to be retrofitted and also there's the problem of of needing a central light well in, in a structure that large, if you were going to turn it into offices or apartments, you'd have to have like a core in the center that would be a light well that would allow you to get light in from the outside to the apartments or offices that are more towards the center of the structure. Well, forget apartments. And, and you, can't even, you can't even build a warehouse in these things, right? The, the ceilings aren't even tall enough to have a... Well, it would be a very, you know, it would be a warehouse <laughs> with very short floors, you know. Jim, have you ever actually seen a parking garage that had liner buildings and taller ceilings. And that oh, was you actually, bet. You well, not taller, not taller ceilings, but the city of Charleston had a very successful program in the 80s and 90s under their wonderful mayor, Joe Riley, who's been mayor for like 35 years there and is among the few elected officials in America who actually has a very firm grounding in the particulars of design. So they, they built a bunch of parking decks in downtown Charleston, but they you know took pains to to make provision for retail on the first floor. Um, I I believe I saw something like that in Savannah, too, but I I don't quite remember. But, you know, they're around the country. We did it in Saratoga, as a matter of fact. I mean, we have have a bunch of new apartment buildings about six stories high on a stretch of our downtown that used to be kind of Desolation Row. They felt they had to provide parking for the condominiums, and understandably so in the age that they built them. In any case, they did build, you know, parking into the project, but they built it in such a way that they could put retail on the ground floor and load the parking in the back. And and they sacrificed a few spaces to get the retail in the ground floor. And, you know, it, it was a good idea. So, sure, they do it all over the country and it works fine. So, Jim, Carl asked what he could do other than call our show. And other than cloning the mayor of Charleston, what can people do? Well, I think it's a very, very tough problem. And the public consensus is simply that, you know, we're still continuing with all the motoring and all of the accessories that go with it. And we're not willing to think about, you know, making uh, a, a different kind of adjustment. Mm. The The psychology of previous investment is just too big an obstacle at this point. 
You know, there there will be some moment in the years ahead, probably not very far, when, you know, the shock of recognition will thunder through the population and we'll get it. But right now, the public doesn't get it. They're being well represented by officials who don't get it. And the prospects of getting over something like this are not very good. By the way, you know, I, I don't really like the idea of promoting people to be just depressed about stuff and, and not do anything. I think Carl should probably go through whatever emotions that he feels are necessary to pursue this. And he should write a letter to the editor or go to the planning board and shout. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't even think it's necessarily an act of futility. You know, sooner or later, the consensus will change. And, you know, may maybe it'll help if one person begins by making one small move, you know. So I myself go to meetings around here and, you know, I shout a little bit about the dumb things that we do, and even though I'm under no illusion that the, you know, here in this town, which is a, a classic American Main Street town, which has been pretty fortunate, there's a consensus that we have to keep going with the car thing. And, and in fact, tragically and really deeply ironically, in uh, the previous mayoral election, we elected a so-called progressive uh, Democratic mayor who then took the position that uh, it was not a good idea to continue downtown infill, which was a, a, an absurd position to take. But she was very adamant about it. And she attracted a lot of supporters. And the whole reason was that these people felt that they couldn't park, uh, you know, close enough to yeah. the things they want to get to. So, you know, even the political progressives are clueless about this. And, and it, you know, it really shows where we're at in this country. Well, in, a, in an earlier show, I mentioned that I have a car, I drive a car, I like to have it sometimes. Honestly, I hate having my car too. It's it's a convenience, but most of the time it's a nuisance. I went six months without driving it and I got squirrels in the car. <laughs> they died when I turned it on. It was a horrible sting. Do you eat them, by the way? I mean, do they heat up there in the engine block? Because some guys have ways of cooking stuff in the engine block. You know, like you, you put a squirrel in tinfoil. Yeah. So uh, by the way, you know, I once did a story for a magazine about roadkill. And I was, went around interviewing a lot of aficionados of, uh, of roadkill um, cuisine. And I asked this one guy, what's your criteria for freshness? And he said, my bumper. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the, to the topic at hand, you got to actually maintain your car. You got to drive it regularly or it doesn't work. And I, I've been thinking, my cousin lives down in New York City and uh, he uses this thing called Zipcar. Yeah. Where you can just sort of like rent the car for a couple hours, you leave it in the neighborhood. I would rather see a system like that in my town where I can just take a car for three or four hours. Well, it's very sane and rational and all. And, and they're popular in Europe. They're called car clubs. Mm. You know, and the zip car is one of its American manifestations. And the idea is, you know, you don't have to go through all the grief of car ownership and maintenance and, and payment. You join this club for like $800 a year and anytime you need a car to like go on an excursion or, you know, go on a picnic in the country or go to a store and bring something bulky home or move yeah. to a new apartment or a new house, you go out and you get one of these vehicles from the car club that has many different kinds of vehicles. You know, they have sporty vehicles for excursions and they have pickup trucks if you need to move your stuff yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it would seem to be, a, you know, a sensible thing. But – Remember, you have to have the whole social, urbanistic, and architectural infrastructure in place for that to work. It works fine in, in Amsterdam because Amsterdam is a wonderful, walkable city. I'm talking about Amsterdam, Holland, not Amsterdam, 
Arizona, New York, Michigan, or, you know, wherever there's uh, another Amsterdam. Yeah. But Amsterdam, Holland, it's, you know, they never destroyed their, their traditional urban pattern. People are living, you know, in row houses and apartments in row houses, you know, fairly close together and certainly well integrated with all the shopping and entertainment and civic and cultural and educational stuff all mixed in very richly with parks, by the way, wonderfully designed green spaces, wonderful squares and, you know, full of cafes. And so they're not suffering from that. And anytime they need to, you know, get a car, it's, you know, they're not prevented from making an excursion. You know, you want a car, you go down, you get your car from the car club and you drive out into the countryside, blah, blah, blah. You know, one of the upshots in America is that, sure, you know, we all have our own cars at our disposal all the time. But because of that, there's almost no place in America that's worth being in, (laughs) you know, or going to. That's one of the unintended consequences of mass automobile use is that is that you you actually destroy the terrain so voraciously that nowhere is is worth driving to. But the other one, of course, is that it's estimated to cost, oh, somewhere around $6,000 a year to keep any car on the road between, you know, the payments, the maintenance, the insurance and the fuel. That's generally the going rate. And so if you're only paying a thousand bucks a year to belong to a car club and you can have one anytime you need one, you don't have to worry about storing it or parking it, you know, or insuring it or all that stuff. Great. Yeah, I think it's great. If if, I could, if they could only get a critical mass for, for the need in my town, I would definitely. Well, it's, you know, I don't know if it's going to, in the United States, it's going to be a problem because by the time we have a, a critical mass for that stuff, the whole motoring scene may be in complete disarray, you know, between the oil problems and the problems of people affording cars in any form because, you know, we're hemorrhaging um, affluence. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen quite the way we imagine. Well, then I'll join a zip horse and carriage club because as you pointed out, if you watch the movies, they drive horse and buggies as if they're Chevrolets, but really they're pretty complicated devices to hitch up a team. And oh, yeah. You don't care. just go up there with the key, put the key in your in your horse's behind and take <laughs> off, you know? You can't just leave your your horse and buggy sitting there at the curb all day. No, either. you can't leave your horse and buggy in the Walmart parking lot for, you know, for three hours. All right. So I'll join a, a horse and buggy zip club at the end of it's cheap It's called oil. a livery stable. They used to have them. Jim, thanks a lot for joining us. It's always a pleasure and, and pretty darn funny too. Well, I'm glad it's funny for you. You know, I mean, it's torture for me. I have to sit here and think of, think up all these jokes. <laughs> Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Kunstler cast featuring James Howard Kunstler. To leave a listener comment, call toll-free at 866-924-9499. Send email to letters at kunstlercast.com. You can download episodes of this program and read transcripts at kunstlercast.com. I'm your host, Duncan Crary. Thanks for listening. <laughs>